We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball. Uh, this is a early morning Las Vegas radio edition, or a summer league edition of Radio Free Mavericks. So, I'm here. I wanted to talk a lot about a number of different things. Mainly, I'm going to start with uh, a, an airing of grievances. I um, had a real work meeting this morning that I decided to take, despite the fact that I'm on vacation. So, I scheduled kind of my whole day. I found a place with like video conferencing and everything because like Wi-Fi in Vegas can be spotty as we found out yesterday uh, with my attempts to do one of these. I uh, made sure I get where I'm going. I was up real late. And then, of course, I wake up real early for fear of missing the meeting. Come in, get everything set up, only to have the meeting canceled five minutes before I showed up. Um, so here we are instead talking Mavericks. Uh, so for anybody that watched the, the Summer League game last night, if you read my recap, I had to bail a little early because I had to go on a video show. And then while at uh, the place that I was recording, my uh, internet wouldn't really work there either. So I thought the game was over at 8076, according to the NBA page. Um, that was the last update I could get. Uh, so I finished my recap, only to press publish, and then I get all these Slack notifications of like, Kirk, what are you doing? The game is not over. <laughs> So I'm able to finish updating everything, and then I apparently didn't, like, the my attempt to update the Mavs Moneyball article did not go through either, despite the fact that I was doing that. So really just having lovely, fun internet times. Well, uh, wonderfully for uh, for everyone involved, we're kind of at the point in the season where the only people who care are, are the same people who would make fun of me regardless of whether I uh, did it right or did it wrong. So, you know, something else to have a good time about. Um uh, Alan, thank you for uh, noting that the audio is working better today. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about some things. So Tyrell Terry is, I, if I was guessing, like he's just out for the rest of the summer. Like they 
teams don't mess around with injuries in summer league stuff. So he's probably just out for the count, which makes uh, the Mavericks team was already a little unwatchable because I, you know, neither he nor Nate Hinton are really point guards. Like they're, they're guards, but they're not just like kind of natural distributors. Uh, so now I think it's the, the, uh, there's one guy, I can't remember his name, like Carr or something, or, uh, he's a pretty good little point guard. I, I enjoyed watching him. Um, and then the Mavericks team went from kind of mostly unwatchable to, uh, I'm not sure if I would recommend tuning in for anyone. So, um, Carlick, thank you, Josh. Uh, he, he had, he was kind of key in, in getting the, uh, the team back on their feet last night when they started down O ten 10, uh, uh, to the jazz. And, you know, I mean, summer league is just kind of weird. Like it's, it's the, uh, the fact that it was a sudden death overtime and they lost on the second end of a, of a two shot free throw is, is it's, you know, funny as something like that can actually get. So, all right, let's, uh, let's bring up folks and let's kind of talk about whatever you guys want to, because we, Lord knows we have a lot of, uh, of things we could talk about. Um, all right, Sean, what's happening? Can I expect you brought up some soon? Um, oh, you're the only one that's requested so far, even though we got a uh, pretty packed room for, uh, you know, thir- like what day is it? Thursday morning. Is it a Thursday morning? I'll it could be Thursday. It. I don't know. I'm in Vegas. Time has no meaning here. Yeah, I get that. It's, uh, that's kind of why I don't go to Vegas. Though I do want to go to Summer League sometime in the near future. So what you got for me today? Well, I, I guess I've, we could talk about a couple things. But sure. the EJ Onu thing, that is hilarious. I mean, they just won't pass to him. Yeah, I, I have open. no idea if he's good, but I at least would like to see it a little bit. He at least knows what to do. That's positive because you cannot say that about, I think, the majority of this summer league team. They just are out there doing stuff. <laughs> Which is kind of the case for many summer league teams, but it, it's always been kind of guard dominant. Um I can never remember the guy's name, but the last when I was out here, like 2013, 2014, uh, back when we had um, Gal Meckel was like on the team and like those kind of like ages, there was always like uh, a couple of G League guards that had been with like the um, the Mavericks uh, G League team that that would come and then just jack up shots all all game long. There's two or three of them shot like. Dentman, uh, maybe Justin Dentman was that his name? Um, this uh, there was a a guy that was on the Nigerian national team who was like five foot eleven who just loved to chuck shots. It's like big men just are never going to get their looks. But one thing that I get frustrated with, and and you know particularly anybody that is a big man that has played basketball, like you, you at least got to pass it to his hands. Like when you pass it to him, if you throw it at like a big guy's hips or at his knees, like. You're just asking for a turnover, and that's the guard's fault more than the big man. It, it, it's stuff that drives me crazy. I, I I did like like the guy has pretty interesting shot mechanics for having such long arms. Um, his arms really do look like one of those um, like things you see out front of a mattress store. Like the guys, like the the, the you know that that like the wind gets blown through them and their arms are all over the place. He's 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 funny to watch. Yeah, that was kind of Josh Anderson's like problem with his shooting mechanics because he had to like coil his arms to make a shot. Mm-hmm. And he, EJ Ono just kind of, it looks good for how long his arms are, which is yeah, I saying something. Makes it at least, yeah, I hope he like, makes it to camp. 
And the fact that he shot, what, what was it, 40% from three? Uh, I mean, it's an AI, but that's, I think they have the same range for three-point shots. Right. So, right. He's at least interesting, and maybe in an actual NBA environment might be able to contribute something. And the, the, the second thing I want to talk about is, of course, the Jason Kidd stuff. Okay. That the mentally torturing Larry Sanders and probably contributing to his retirement is, wow. That, that, that's just, that's terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the more upsetting things I've read because Larry Sanders, I remember thinking at the time that this just all felt so weird. And it was also at a time where I, as me personally, I didn't really understand a lot of mental health stuff the way I feel like I at least have a better conceptual grasp of it. Now I remember thinking a lot of very sports hot take bullshit about how he was mentally weak and yada, yada, yada. And then you read all that stuff and it's just like kid quite, you know, the fact that Larry Sanders seemed to be relatively kind to kid about all of that was, was very surprising. Um, I don't know. It, it's, I'm going to be very, you know, Tim Cato and I, I, I recorded the podcast with him, the, the, his hilarious 77 minutes in heaven podcast. And we just kind of came to a very quick conclusion that Luca's not going to put up with anything like that, like at all. Like he didn't put up with Carlisle being mean, like, like, you know, like, and Carlisle's like kind of, Carlisle's kind of mean, like the way I'm trying to think the way, like the best way to describe it. Like Carlisle's like very like passive aggressive mean, like it, it's, it's, you know, it's like getting getting insulted. Sense. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like call out your manhood as much as he does just like make you feel like an idiot. Yeah, I, I I've been around a lot of people like that. That's mm-hmm. I hate that. But right. And, and another thing, like, because there's an ongoing discussion about well, Jerry Dudley seems to be carrying water for him. LeBron seems to be on his side. You know, you have some some guys that are just kind of speaking out for him. Well, his son thinks he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw someone posted one of uh, his son's Instagram posts from late last year. I think it was December where he basically said to people who ask him, how is his dad doing? His response was, I don't know. I don't have a relationship with my dad. He basically abandoned us, and he has a bunch of people around him who enable him. And that was essentially his answer, and that was late last year. I mean, I'm just – this just is another thing. So, like, all of us said – I think if you're you're a Mavs fan that pays super close attention to the team, most of us had sort of said, okay, we don't really get a choice. We kind of just got to deal with this. Let's move along to the season. And now we have to talk about it again. And if anything, he has a, what's that? More stuff keeps coming out. It's Mm -hmm. like, and the Nico Harrison comments last night were really interesting that they've been, I mean, you, we kind of thought that already, but it pretty much confirmed they were a package deal, but like how long had Mark Cuban and them been talking about this package deal? Right. Right. No, that that looks like something that had been 
under discussion probably since the season ended. Like, just kind of something that was out there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If we wanted to rate... If we want to relate it back to, like, actual Mavs basketball, this has to work. It, It cannot... It either has to work or, like, after maybe a season or two at most, it has to end. Because everything they do now basically has to either lead directly to something that makes them better or be something that makes them better. Yeah, yeah. This is either going to be a real – this is either going to be a real short experiment, like two-thirds of the season type thing, or it's going to work extraordinarily well, in my opinion. Like, that, there's kind of not a middle ground where he gets – a lengthy level of rope because as, as Tim Cato and I talked about yesterday, I think like the spotlight to start the year is going to be on him. Like even the Mavericks, like local Mavericks media, which doesn't always have like the most incentive to search for these kind of like, like narrative driven stories because it, it frays relationships. I think they won't be able to ignore it. Like we're going to be watching kids interactions with the team in games and reading into everything. And I don't know if I would have felt that way prior to this book, uh, the, the, uh, Mirren Fader's book getting released and these excerpts getting published. Oh, we wouldn't. Cause there, after like the kid press conference and everything, you know, everything we hated before it, right. We wouldn't, we would have had nothing. Right. It would have just been speculation and griping that they didn't go through an actual coaching hire process. Right. So, you know, well, well, Sean, you got anything else? Be, I mean, the one last thing I'll say is like the bottom line is if they get, you know, a year or two into uh, Lucas' contract and this is still an issue, they better hope Lucas is really loyal. Sure. Sure. Though, you know, and I think I would like to talk about, like, I'm going to bring some other folks on, and I would like to um, talk about this uh, a little bit after I let you go. But the, the local loyalty thing paired with the money, I think, is something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. But thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you for getting this uh, this party started. It's, it's uh, you know, Thursday morning. We have 100 people in the room, which is wild to me. A lot of crazy fans on here. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon. You have a good day. Yeah, thanks. So the the Luca money thing is particularly interesting um, for me in that I knew you know Luca will have the opportunity to sign kind of like the the whatever max that gets related back to the number of years he's in the league and um, Scott uh, also known as like I think it's his handles Mavs CBA pushed something out there that that the Mavericks if if the kind of salary like if you're if you're projecting for salary cap increases paired with like the the percentage and raises and stuff like that the Mavericks will be able to offer Luca over the course of his next deal, like a hundred million dollars more than the next, uh, than the, than any other teams. Now, whether or not that will matter is not, you know, doesn't really, it's, it's not important right now. I just didn't realize the numbers were that high. And I think that's really just, it's, it's, it's wild to consider. Um, all right, coming up next, uh, we have Sam, Sam. Hey, what's going on, Kirk? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. What do you got for us today? Um, yeah, well, I don't want to jump on the Jason Kidd thing because, you know, at, th- at this point it's almost being a dead horse. But, <laughs> like, the, the well, I guess I shouldn't have said it that way, but you know what I mean. But um, basically, 
you know, with all those experts com- um, excerpts coming out, and then the things we already heard before. I mean. I guess him trying to basically call out Zaza Pachulia and say, hey, do y'all deserve to, you know, have a vacation because y'all played so badly one game on a Christmas holiday? Like, I mean. This man. is a weird story. Like, like no good is going to come of that. And and then you see, like, the, the Jared Dudley was trying to walk these things back. And, you know, I don't know. I love my, like, my high school coach and I. I'm 37, and I still talk to my high school coach. And – some of I, I think my parents would argue that like at times the relationship we had was one where he was not great to me all the time um, because like that kind of authoritative relationship is prone to really awful moments, particularly in, the, in like the heat of competition. And when you get these snapshots, it's extremely easy to read into it to the point of saying, well, you know, that just defines the whole relationship. And the thing that we have to remember, at least for a lot of these players, including Dudley, who was there, including Giannis, who was there, and he did not treat Giannis very well at times. They seem to really love the guy. And I don't know how to reconcile those two things. But, I mean, I, I guess I do because it's, it's, I've done it myself where you understand that this is not a healthy thing, but you stay in the you, like you just kind of move past the toxicity. Like I, I'm sure we've all had relationships like that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I played football when I was in high school. I played a little bit in college as well. And uh, you know, you just kind of, I just competition. You just kind of put it in your mind that you know he's not really mad at you per se, but you know he's pissing you off in a way. But he's doing it to motivate you. I guess that's the kind of mentality you kind of put yourself into. And even though you hate it at the end of the day, if you see success, you're like, okay, well, we got through it and it worked. So, that that part of it I get, but I guess the problem I have with it as a whole, with the Mavericks as a whole, is for this organization, for this team at this particular time, I just don't think we need all that extra. And we have all that extra now, and um, like I said, I, I don't know how it's going to work out. Obviously... That's a good not- point, though. That's a really good point. Like, this is... These are professionals. This is not a college team. Um, at a certain point, you know, you like having a raw, raw coach in, in the professional aspect doesn't really do you a lot of good because you tend to tune that guy out over time. Um, that's mm-hmm. what what made Rick lasting so long surprising to me because him being a hard ass was not a new known. You know, it was a known thing. So I kind of figured that the Mavericks would get tired of him earlier. And the fact that that he lasts that long will kind of, you know, in retrospect, is just kind of wild. Um, you know, Avery Johnson ran into this with the Mavericks, frankly, where like the team grew tired of of him, um, and and it's just it's not going to last. So it's it the, the extra aspect of we don't of, of the Mavericks don't need it. I think is 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 an underrated and very important part of of this to me. Exactly, just because for all we know, this year they can pull. A Bucks, like when Mike Budenholzer got there, you know they can go have the best record in the league. We don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or or it could completely go south and then they regress and then you know barely make the playoffs as an eight seed and then get blown out in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you know, we don't know, so I guess that's the only thing we can do at this point is let it play out. But just with all the moves that have been made, which I don't really want to get to at this point because I'm kind of past free agency. They they did what they did. Right. Um, at, at this point now, it's just a simple matter of. Can they make it work? Can can KP come back to 
KP before he got hurt? Can he stay healthy long enough to contribute? Can the moves that they made, you know, actually make a difference? Because I get the fact that Lucas said, you know, chemistry is a big thing, which I do agree with. You know, you got to have some type of chemistry. But at the end of the day, the chemistry that you have with guys that only have a certain level they can get to can only get you so far. Like, I like Dorian Finney-Smith. I love the guy. I think he's a great player. But, I mean, do you think he's going to get as better as he was last year? Maybe. Like it's it's tough. I I I, th- I think part of why I the off season is 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 a net positive in in a way that we're not discussing enough is it they have a more wing depth to allow a guy like Dorian to not have to be so important. Um, the Mavericks. I, there was a stat. Josh Eberly or somebody shared it during the season when Dorian shot above forty percent for a game. They won like like a, a preposterous percentage of those games compared to when he didn't and they lost. And you know he won he he went on such a hot streak in February and March right after the birth of his child to where it, it was, I mean it was unsustainable. Like he was shooting forty five percent for three for like six weeks. It was wild. Yeah, and for him to be able to. You know, he adds so much beyond shooting. Like the shooting ends up being a bonus for him because he's a you know he's a, he's a solid team defender and he's a great rebounder. And the fact that he might be able to play twenty eight minutes instead of thirty two, thirty three is very valuable um, over the course of the year. I think. And, and yeah, I, 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 I agree because I think I think he's a hell of a player considering where he started and where he's at now. Like you know, the development is there, so we've seen him improve over the years, so which I can appreciate. I just feel like for where this team is trying to go and for them trying to win a championship, they can't be they can't be Cleveland from you know oh three to oh twenty ten with LeBron. Right. Where it was LeBron and a bunch of dudes and his greatness damn near carried him to the finals to win a championship, but it wasn't good enough. So I just feel like Oh, excuse me. I just feel like before I get off, um the development of the team as a whole um, I don't know what the hell we're going to do with six center still. That has to change before the season starts. They can't keep that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the development of the team, just everything that they've done. Um, hopefully, Luka can be fresh because he's played a lot of basketball over the last year, so I don't know what that's going to be like. And, um, yeah, that's really all I got, Kirk, so I appreciate it, man. Sure thing, man. Thanks for joining us today. All no right. Problem. Let's see. We have Jim. Hi, Jim. It has been a long time, Kirk. How are you doing? I am uh, not not nursing a hangover, uh, but I am okay. Oh, God. You're in Vegas right now, right? That's correct. Oh, I bet that's fun. Yeah, I'm I just going to keep I, it at that. I can't sleep. <laughs> like I, my, my son was a terrible sleeper, So I, and, and then between that and having to stay up late for East Coast Mavs games, like around 2016, I just kind of stopped sleeping more than six hours in, in a night, so I'm, you know, I'm fine. Yeah, sure. Um, the reason I'm on, um, well, you guys just talked a little bit about it. Who do you think is going to get that starting three spot, Reggie or Dorian? It's a fun question. I would say that I think the Mavericks' best lineup is going small with Dorian at the four. Tim has to. Tim Hardaway has to start like that. Like he's a key right. cog in their offense cooking. Right, right. So right. you. I, I assume Reggie Reggie's a better three than Dorian for at least the offense. Defensively, I'm not so sure. Um, they'll probably try a number of things. I, I the, the the 
team seems to like, like at least under Rick, they loved having Powell out there. Uh, for and there's some reasons for it. I, I bet they try a number of different things to start the year. It, it goes back to that what what Sam just noted about like the six centers. Like I guess it depends on who's on the roster opening day, but I would like to see them play Dorian at four and go small and try to just score 145 points. So let's say hypothetically, Markinen got into this business, like mm-hmm. got into the Mavericks. We somehow got him. Would he be the starting four? Like without a doubt. No. I don't think you can play him and Porzingis together, even though, you know, from from the, some of the film is a strong word, but some of the YouTube stuff I've watched the last three days, he has some some lateral athleticism that Porzingis doesn't anymore. Um, but I don't think you can play them together now. Okay. I I mean, like, compared to Kleba, would you say Markinen has better dribbling skills? Yes but he doesn't get much of an opportunity to use them. And like many big men, he tends to like to do cute shit instead of just like doing what, you know, like, you know, I always like rag on Porzingis for never dribbling. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's like the right, like dear right-handed player, please dribble to the right using your right hand. Don't always go left. Like, like all big men do this sort of stuff. The fancier ones, Um, even Joel Embiid has a tendency to like get too cute with it. But that's part of why he's so dominant now is because he's not like, he cut the cuteness out of his game. He just kicks the crap out of people. Um, So that's, you know, but he, he does have better dribbling skills than Maxi. Like, Maxi plays basketball, you know, offensively, he plays basketball like a 40 year old dad at the YMCA. I, I just feel like if you look at the Milwaukee Bucks starting lineup from this past year, I feel like most of the starting lineup could at least dribble a little bit better than Dorian and Maxi, at least. And I, I feel like when you're able to have some sort of dribbling skills, that can move you like around like the perimeter, like if, especially if you're playing four out or five out. Um, I feel like being able to dribble and go places, like even to the paint, would give you a little bit more opportunity to um, create more spacing and just open shots in general. Well, there's going to be a lot of space in the Mavs' offense next year. Um, they getting moving on from Richardson. Uh, you know, the the key thing to the Mavericks offense blowing up in 2019-20 was Tim Hardaway joining the starting lineup. And then Tim Hardaway joined the starting lineup down the stretch and the offense went nuts again. So I, I feel pretty good about their spacing kind of regardless because the, the whole series of guys within the kind of eight to nine man rotation at the moment will let the ball fly. So, right. Well, thanks, Jim. You got anything uh, else? Last- yeah, just one last thing, one last thing. Defensively, if you had to do a preseason ranking, right now as the roster is constructed, where would the Mavericks finish in defensive efficiency? So with the rule changes, I think they're probably going to be right around middle of the pack, like 15th. Um, that should be their goal, in my opinion. Uh, we got to hope for Porzingis to look better laterally. And I think that Bullock and and... Bullock adds to that sort of uh, defensive depth to where hopefully they won't get cooked by every single player in the league. Um, they just, I mean, they just need to make marginal improvements. Like they're not going to go from from nineteenth or twenty second or wherever they were to first. They they need to just make a manageable leap. And what was supposed to happen, where I want to say in twenty nineteen twenty they were nineteenth, 
they were supposed to, that was supposed to be the goal last year and instead they fell. So, so it's just, you know, we need to get back to a baseline of where they were in 2019, 20, where Porzingis was a lot better defensively than I really understood at the time. And then we'll see what they can do. Perfect. That's all I got. Sure thing, buddy. You have a good day. Okay. Yeah, you too, Kirk. Thanks. All right. Who we got? Um, Xavier, I want you to come on and talk over unders. Um, Brandon. Brandon. Hey, Kirk, can you hear me? Sound good. All right. So I just wanted to, I mean, I I think the chat's kind of talking about it, but shift the conversation more to Josh Green. Sure. Just because I do think he's going to be kind of an important player for us going forward, just being our, honestly, our highest draft pick for probably a while, hopefully at least. Um, And I, I know there was a whole big debate about, you know, do we include him in the, like, is it worth to include him in the Drogic potential trade or not or whatever? And, I mean, aside from all that, like, the the reason why he's so important, the most, like, valuable commodity outside of, you know, of course, generational superstars are do-it-all wings. Exactly what Josh Green profiles as. Obviously, he's super athletic. He's shown to have like an awareness and a basketball IQ. Like I thought he was just going to be like a Wesley Matthews coming out, you know, like an okay shooter, athletic defender, like energy guy, always, you know, always trying to play hard as possible, but he's got a lot more, like it's still very raw, but he's got a lot more untapped skill. And I mean, I know there's jokes about him being our second best passer already, which might be kind of true. But I mean, his development is going to be crucial. And I think, like, I think it's a big deal for kid to, you know, get him hopefully 20. Obviously, he still has to play well and prove that he deserves it. But, like, 20 minutes a night in the second unit as a legitimate NBA rotation player. See, but I, I don't know how you guys are having confidence in him right now where the fact that he's not playing at Summer League for no fucking reason. He's not tired. He played 14 minutes at the Olympics. He's got, yeah. like... <laughs> He should be on the floor. He needs reps. And if we're, you know, he was bad at the G League bubble. We don't talk about that enough because no one wants to be negative about the guy because there's maybe some discussion about the fact that his role is not going to be the same. But in order to play basketball, you have to play basketball. And and I know what you're saying. All right, we need to get him like minutes in the lineup to see how it goes. But if he's not playing now, I just don't have confidence for him playing then. And And maybe that's just me being a little tired. Um, I, I don't know. No, am, I, am I overreacting to this? No, I agree. I'm pissed off because exact like uh, who was it? Ben put out like all the the effectively the lack of time he's had. Like you know, obviously shortened college season, no off season workouts, hardly any preseason, no practice during the season, no minutes during the season, no minutes during the Olympics. Yeah, like. Th- th- this is what I'm saying. Like, it's important for kid to try and develop him. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Summer league is four games, but you know, 20, 30 minutes and across those four games, like that goes a long way. Yeah. And maybe he does get to develop a little bit of dribbling and a little bit of passing, you know, because I, mean, I don't I, think he's going to be as bad of a shooter as he was last year, but I mean, it's very I difficult mean, for him to be as bad of a shooter as he was last year to be to, <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's just, it's a thing, but I will say, like part of like, I, I feel very down on him at the moment just because I'm frustrated about the lack of playing. But 
I will say during the, the the end of the regular season, I felt like he was mostly like a chaotic neutral to chaotic good when he was on the floor where the Mavericks felt the energy was different because he does play very hard. Um, it, it's it's really – and that is a value with that Mavs roster because Carlisle loved to slow the pace down. And so, you know, Green playing hard had, a ten, had just had kind of a compounding effect on the lineups, and, and I – I don't know. I'm just at the moment. This is very annoying to me that 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 he he's not playing because there's just you know now that Terry Terry's probably going to be out and it, you know I mentioned this this is likely not really to be very watchable. I I don't know. It, it could be that that mild hangover I'm mentioning that that. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's it, it's just befuddling to me why. They don't want because I, I know people are saying, "Well, it's his trade value." Like he doesn't have trade value because he hasn't played at this point. Like I don't know if people are gonna. I mean, they might trade like a protected second round pick for him just because he has talent. But like he's he's not a trade asset at the moment. So mm-hmm. play him, and you know if hey, it turns out this dude just sucks at basketball. Okay, you know we we whiffed on the pick, but his trade value doesn't get any worse. Or if, hey, he flashes, oh, yeah, no, I mean, he's got some ball skills, he's, you know, ferocious on defense, all that stuff, then he might actually have some trade value. So I, I, I'm just frustrated with the start, but, I mean, I, I do think it's important for him to become a, you know, 15 to 20-minute rotation player for us this year. Right, right. Well, we'll see. He's he's He is very important. I think you're right about that. All right, man, you got anything else? Uh, no. Well, just to answer the last guy's question, I think, um, yeah, Reggie or DFS, I think both, because I know you mentioned making us better on offense with having both, you know, THJ, Dorian, Reggie, KP at the five, and then obviously Luca. But like, that also makes us better on defense because Reggie and Dorian are probably our two best defenders on the wing and they can actually both shoot. So I mean, there's no re- and there's no reason for KP to ever play the four. Sure. So sure. that that would be my answer. But thanks well, for having thank me. Of course, buddy. You have a good day. All right. I want to bring up Xavier next. He just turned in an article for Mavs Moneyball about win totals for the Mavs. And by the time anyone listening on the podcast gets this, it'll probably be published. Um, and so I, uh, I I will, you know, I just want to hear what he has to say. So so Xavier, how you doing? Hey, how's my audio? You sound great. Awesome. So I just I just find value. So yesterday when your internet was acting up, Josh and a few of us, you know, we were in a green room together, just kind of thinking about where we projected the map defense. And we all kind of had the same feeling that we assumed they would finish somewhere between the fourth and the sixth seed. And so today, when I looked at the over-unders, that's exactly where Vegas had us. You know, they have us tied with the Warriors for the fourth best odds, and then the Nuggets are like a game below us. So essentially, they think that the Nuggets, Mavericks, and Warriors are, are going to finish somewhere between four and six, and not, that kind of aligned with what my expectations were. And I just think there's tremendous value um, with where they set the line. Um, mm-hmm. We saw with Dirk for a decade, Dirk and any nation of players would pretty much give us 50 wins. And I feel like Luka is the same type of player. So I think that there's, a, there's easily a path to 50 wins next season. So I would definitely bet on the over for the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
makes sense to me. I, I'm very, uh, very bullish on that. I just think they're going to be like, it's, it's funny. We're kind of having two different conversations when we talk about the lineup. I think that they're going to be a bitch to play in the regular season because they're just going to be able to put up points every night where when we get kind of in the nitty gritty about the roster, we're really talking about his playoff stuff. Yeah, no, precisely. And that's what I've always said. I think as fans, we're, we're underrating our outlook for the regular season. Um, but I think we're all right in saying that, look, we probably are seeing isn't that of a contender, but we have enough offense to finish as a with home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, we got to remember last year we can't, you know, um, I saw that um, your buddy Matt posted that the wins, the Mavs were on a certain um percentage for wins and that was under you know what we're projected at but i don't know if he took into consideration the awful start and i think we're a lot closer to how we finished the season than how we started it so i just think you know we're built for the regular season you know where we face issues is in the playoffs where teams can actually game plan for us and kind of make adjustments and i think the bottom of the western conference is a lot weaker i think the middle of the western conference is a lot weaker than it has been in years prior with Kawhi being out you know with mary being out so I just think there's a lot of value there. And then also, don't be surprised if you guys see that the the win total for the Mavericks goes down. Um, I don't think that's because Vegas thinks we're not as good. Um, I think it's because a lot of the casual fans, they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth, right? With everything with the front office and Carlisle and all of that, and the fact that we didn't pick up any major free agents, I think a lot of people are going to bet um, the under, which is going to naturally deflate the line. And so I think there's definitely going to be value to bet the Mavs again closer to the regular season. But that's pretty much, you know, what I wrote about in the, in the article. Big fan. Big fan. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna figure out something for you that you like doing for the regular season about gambling stuff. Because there's, there's a way to talk about this stuff that is both entry level and also helps people understand sort of what to look for in game stuff. Because... Like the numbers, the, 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 a lot of the, the gambling numbers that come out are based in, you know, what people are seeing in games. It's not just like a, a it's not just like a, a big picture look at numbers all the, uh, the time. It's, it's, you know, they're constantly adjusting and shifting for recency injuries, all that sort of stuff. So we're going to figure out something for you to do regular season. I love this kind of content. You got any other uh, takes while you're, while you're up here? I, I think Josh Green's terrible, and I'm just frustrated that he's not showcasing that he's taking a step forward in some meaningful way. So I, I hasn't. I, the grumpy. I mean, look, it's and let's just say if if he's a potential trade piece, then you need to showcase him, right? And if he's not a potential trade piece, is maybe you just want to see um, if he really can take on some playmaking responsibilities and actually get some minutes alongside Luca. Then you need to put him out there with people who should be less talented than him. And showcase and look and see if he can actually go out there and dominate because mm-hmm. the players that are NBA rotational pieces they dominate the summer league or at least it's very evident that they've graduated from having to play in summer league and so I just don't know why he's not out there playing. Well, I mean, I do. The Mavericks don't care about margins, and when I say the Mavericks, I mean Mark Cuban. So if Mark Cuban doesn't care about margins, it's going to take the new front office people explaining to him that margins are where you make improvements. Um, this is kind of a segue into something that, that I, I would like to talk about, and I'd like to hear kind of your reaction to it. Because do you read Seth Part now at The Athletic? I do, yeah. So he's been doing his tiers piece, and his tiers are they're not player rankings. He is 
abundantly clear about this, and people discuss them like their player rankings. He has Luca in his tier 2A, which is, he even notes in his article that he feels Luca is this close to being in his tier 1, like the most, like the closest player. But because of how the Mavericks use him in the heliocentric offense, uh, He's not like like it, it. I think he feels like the Mavericks aren't getting the best out of him. Uh, may, maybe not necessarily like statistically. That that's not the argument. It's like the best use for him to be the best player on the floor and help the Mavericks win more games. I think we all, since we all want a secondary ball handler, I think there there's kind of something to that as an idea. I but at the same time, I also find my it's like this is a guy who has made first team All NBA two years in a row. So I don't think think. But when you get into like the top 10, it's kind of a, it's, it ends up being like a discussion of preference of what you're looking for at the moment. But what's yeah, very abundantly, pick- go ahead. No, I was going to say no. At that, when, when you get to the top, you're picking nits, mm-hmm. right? So it's going to seem petty, the things that you criticize a player for. And it's not that those critiques take away overall greatness. But if you have to find something to differentiate, then it's going to be something as small as that. But I agree with him to an extent, right? Because, it's sort of like the chicken or the egg. Is this the only way that Luca can play, or is Luca forced to play this way because of the roster around him? I tend to believe that it's because of the roster around him, um, and that's why he has to be so heliocentric. But I do think that he can provide value off ball, but there's just no way for him to showcase that right now, right? Because even if you have him do stuff off ball, there's nobody that can individually threaten the defense or break down a defense to where the defense paying attention to Luca would kind of aid the person attacking the defense, if that makes sense. You feel it what I'm does. saying? It does. And so like yeah. this is this is less about Luca and more about the Mavericks. For him to be like considered that tier one A for while for how this is discussed, the Mavericks have to make a change. More and and for and either not force Luca to play a different way, but just have him do just a few things differently so that he doesn't have like a 37% usage rate. Correct. And the person that I will compare him to the most is James Harden. Remember, there was on-court friction between Chris Paul and Harden because whenever Chris Paul had the, had the ball and would try to run a more traditional offensive set, Harden would just kind of stand in on the perimeter with his hands on his hips. And so they, they weren't able to properly utilize Harden's gravity because he had no intentions on moving. But now if you watch him off ball in Brooklyn, it's very clear that when he's off ball, he's not just looking to stand there and wait for the ball to be swung back to him. He's actually making cuts or doing things off ball to where his his gravity actually helps the main offensive action. And so I think Mm -hmm. that that was just wasn't that hard. It wasn't capable of it. It's just he needed he didn't like CP3. So maybe I don't know if it was trying to sabotage CP3 or maybe he was just lazy. But clearly he's had a change of mentality to where he's showcasing now. Hey, I'm not just the player that I was in Houston for those years because I had to be. I can actually do more and contribute more than just having the ball in my hands all the time. And so I think Luke is capable of the same thing, but he needs to put in a situation like Harden to where he can actually showcase that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the it, the discussion around him is always it's going to be annoying until then because I still think that his desire and I, it's not even a think. I this is just true if you watched him play in the Olympics. His desire is to set up teammates first and foremost. I think he will score if he has to, and I think he enjoys assists in the pretty pass. I mean, how many? I think he had what seventeen assists versus France or eighteen assists. Like that's 
you know, when you're when you're playing a forty minute game and you have an assist every two minutes, like that's insane. It, it he he doesn't want to be the guy that's shooting this much and and or at least scoring this much and the Mavericks, but they need it. So it's it's this is going to be a thing where if we're, we're, for him to get to one A and this kind of discussion, because I mean, guy, he's a top ten player, top five player in my opinion, but. For, for this sort of discussion with what we're talking about, there's just the little tweaks that he's going to have to make to his game and that the Mavericks make to their roster. So, well, um, you got anything else before we uh, move on? No, Kirk. Thanks for bringing me up. Yeah, I appreciate you joining as always. Um, all right, let's get to a couple more people. My buddy, Leo. Leo, how are you? Hit that on mute. That's okay. That's okay. Do you got anything you want me to touch on? Uh, no, you hit the mute button again. Uh, mainly the Tim Hardaway contract. Uh, just the way it's faced and the, the payroll he took just to stay with Dallas. I'm not sure how many players would actually do that and Love how much of that could be credited to the money. Love to talk about it. Um, it's probably the thing that I I was really excited when I saw as a decreasing contract because I don't think the Mavs cap usage has been particularly creative for a very long time. Uh, him taking that deal when another you know a, a, it was what a difference in a reported difference in sixteen million dollars between what he signed in Dallas versus what New Orleans offered him. And it, it shows some, some awareness, I think, for Tim because he's realized that he's in a very good situation. And because of his skill set, he will probably continue to shoot at a high level. And if he's shooting at a high level and his, his efficiency stays high, this doesn't need to be his last eight figure con or eight figure? Yeah. Eight figure contract, which is, is, you know, I, I think really smart. It, it just works both ways. Um, and and I'm I'm glad that he realized he was in a good situation because it's it's a mutually beneficial thing. Um, I know that there are some people that didn't, you know, the one in the Mavs go kind of in a wildly different direction. But for what they did, I thought he was going to get paid upwards of like twenty three, twenty four million a year just because of the way the the market was and the you know not the the way shooters get paid. So I'm just I'm really glad. So does does that work for you, Leo? That is awesome. And the last thing I was just thinking about right now. The way that they're playing Hinton and Sun really, do you think that might be a precursor to how they play in the regular season with Sarge dribbling the ball a little bit more, even though we don't have a secondary ball handler in case we don't get Blonde Dragons or if we don't? That's just a way to give Luca a little bit of rest, even though it's not, not the most efficient or the thing you want to do. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, the matter, like, like neither Terry nor, um, nor our other guy. What's wrong with me? Um, none of the ball handlers are particularly impressive for the Mavericks. There's not like a true distributor. So, yeah. So what they're what they're working on um, is they're just trying to get the ball up the court and get into these sets. And when the sets work, they actually look quite nice. But then when when opposing team defenses are blowing them up, like the Mavericks look like they they don't know what their second or third read is. The the offense kind of goes to crap in a hurry. But you know, it, I don't know. It's probably not a pre precursor. You know, like something to look ahead for the regular season, just because the roster and Luca is so much better of a player. It's a lot of this is just about kind of making it through the game and seeing what skills guys have. Um, Terry. I don't know. I don't want to kill Terry. It's just he weighs 155 pounds, and that you know, incidental contact results in him looking like he gets hit by a car. 
It, it's it, it's just I don't the path for him in the NBA is a difficult one to to walk down. He's he's not a good enough shooter for this. So at least he hasn't shown it. How about that? All right, Leo, thank you very much. Um going up last we've got uh Karzan. What's happening? Nope, he opted out. Um, okay, guys, this has been fun. You know, nice little way for me to uh, start my morning. I hope you guys uh, like podcast. I will be posting this a little later today. If you didn't check out uh, my show with Lucas Gu, who's one of our staff writers who came out here. Um, Summer League is fun. I really, you know, I really recommend more of you try to come out here uh, when there's not a, uh, you know, ninth wave to a pandemic. But this has been fun. I will probably do, um, I might do another one tomorrow. We'll see. Just, uh, you know, I like talking Mavs with you guys if there's anything interesting that happens or not. Um, everybody have a good rest of their Thursday, and we will talk in uh, at some point. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.